G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and this week I'm joined by another new voice, Max. Max, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm, I'm going well. Thanks for asking. Uh, just another just another day, long day of studying and then playing video games to fill in the gaps. <laughs> fair enough, mate. Fair enough. That's You know what? We're... We're in the right time, I think, for that mix. Oh, definitely. I, I put in many hours and many video games that were sitting uh, unloved in my library that I hadn't quite gotten around to finishing yet. Oh, fair enough. That's You know what? Now is as good a time as any to, to tackle the backlog. Now, now you, you did mention your, your vast game library. Tell us. We've got, we've got to ask this question every time we've got a new voice on the show. What's your favorite game, Max? And why? Well... Through in my expansive library, courtesy of a humble choice, which I've kept going for <laughs> years now and just continu- continues to bloat my library. I think my favorite game for the pick any would be um, Obsidian's Fallout New Vegas from, I can't remember what year that game was, was released. but ten. Wow. And it, it was my first foray into the Fallout series ever. I actually saw it in an airport like kiosk at like half off or something. And I was like, oh, it looks kind of cool. There's a dude in armor on the front. Wow. And then uh, I was introduced to one of the best Western RPGs in my in my opinion anyway that was that's ever been made yeah like my 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 kind of impression based on kind of the the reviews at the time and and kind of the the legacy that the game has is that it was probably the best story that of any of the fallout games but the it just was like limited by the game engine like it was just obsidian trying to you know, fix the issues that plagued Fallout Three. Oh, I, I, I think, I, I think I definitely agree. Um, the, the, that series of games has always been plagued for bugs, and it's, it's, be- it's not. Really, I don't, I don't find it funny anymore. I can't find it pathetic that the, the games are still like that. It, it, yeah. story-wise, it's, um, it can't, you can't compare it to anything else that Bethesda's made, at, at all. In fact, it's, wow. it's, it's that much better. Call. Fallout Three was a bit of a, it was, it was boring. I don't even remember what the main story was. Something about water. So did you did you go back and play Fallout Three after playing? I New did, Vegas? and I was like, "Why would anyone buy this? This is just the inferior product." <laughs> I, I don't understand. Uh, I was no, I, I found myself completely frustrated by how little impact you had on. Uh, okay, look, look, Fallout Three is still good because it completely captures the essence of being alone in this post-apocalyptic wasteland. It, it's the ambience is very oppressive and lonely, mm. and it, it does it very well. But it's frustrating also because you have so little impact on the world. Like the most that you can do is blow up like a town and poison the water or some, or purify it, something like yeah. that. It's the most impact you have in the world. Whereas Fort New Vegas, you, the world yeah. is completely, it's, it's extremely dynamic through the factions and through some of the DLC choices that you make. And that, yeah, that's why it will always be my favorite game. Wow. So that, it's like one of those rare games where what you do actually matters. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And in, 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 it's one of those games where you'll look up online what happens when you make a choice because you don't want your favorite NPC to get their feelings hurt. Yep. Yeah, I kind of had that feeling when I was playing through like the original Mass Effect. I had a mate who was like, "Oh, make sure that when you get to this choice that you save Rex." I'm like, "What? What are you doing?" Like, I'm like, and I got to that point, and I'm like, "Dude, I I can't do it. Like, it won't let me." Oh no! And <laughs> and basically, I just restarted the game. Oh wow! <laughs> I think I've played. I think I think I continued with that, and then I played the game. Oh uh, yeah, I can totally relate to because that because I'm like, no, what? I'm gonna. I I had no idea like about all these choices and all these points he had to do, right? 
So uh, when I got to that point, I was like, oh my God, now, okay, I've made the right choice. I'm going to save everyone. I'm going to have the best ending, blah, blah, blah. That was, that was, I think that, that was similar to what you said about not losing characters you like. I think for me, that was like massive. Absolutely. I, I think it's definitely a hallmark <laughs> of a well-executed character-centric RPG where the players are like, people don't do evil playthroughs because they they can't stand being mean to NPCs or doing awful things because yeah. they they're they, they, they care so much about the characters. I think it's... I think if you can achieve that in the game, you, you've done it. That's, really. that's the thing. Like, if you can build your... If you can build... Like, in, have your you know, the audience invests so much in something you've created. You've done really well as a uh, creator. I agree. And I, and I think that's what every, no matter what you do, you kind of hope for that reaction in some way. Speaking of awesome games, Rocket League's going free to play this week. Yeah, that's I am huge. so excited for it, man. Have you have you played it before? I, have, I, I played Rocket League some time ago when it was free on PS Plus and um, yeah. I didn't I, I didn't quite get the appeal just because I'm, I'm not really the market for that sort of thing but the you know yeah. football with rocket piled cars is pretty pretty novel as far as uh, sports 100%. games go I, I can't wait man like I, I yeah I was probably like you I tried it when it first came out and stuff it didn't quite stick with me then but just seeing how much like how well Psyonix has kind of developed the game and, and kept it going like I'm really excited to play it uh, and, and especially now there's cross play so being able to play with you guys, like Ed, likes and stuff, definitely. Hopefully, we can do a, like a, a stream with the community or something. For sure, a double jump tournament of sorts. That that would be awesome. I'm uh, I'm always happy to see um, crossplay being made a feature for games. I think um, I, I think that I think the time for console exclusive online is uh, that that's that 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 wore out its welcome a long time ago. I think crossplay definitely needs to be much more uh, a thing that we see in multiplayer games but when they are on the scale of Overwatch or Rocket League or whatever it may be elsewhere in the world like we had not so good news in that we we lost a living legend uh, and now a a forever legend in Ruth Bader Ginsburg who was uh, like wow uh, I don't know I don't even know how to like summarize her life in in a sentence but for everyone at home I guess the the way to really think about her is the boss of gender equality, like the one who got shit done throughout the 20th century and 21st century and never, like, never tired. Mm. Always fought for women's rights, oh, representation, yeah. you know. I just, I just I, it's incredible that even someone like this, you know, could achieve so much in one life. It's, it's like, doing one of those things is awesome, but like, Oh yeah, doing everything she's done. Like I, I, like. Oh, for sure. Unfortunately, like I, I'm not too familiar with her, like growing up or anything like that. But just reading about some of the things she's done, and I encourage everyone at home to read about her. It, it's pretty inspiring, dude. Yeah, no, uh, an incredible woman, very, very inspirational. Her, she, she's going to leave a yeah. fantastic legacy of gender equality, and women's rights. Um, for our, for our mates across the ocean, like I, th- I think it still disappoints me that we're we're here in 2020. We've got so many advancements, but we're still so discriminatory and like you know we're sexist, we're oh, yeah. we're racist, we're homophobic, we're all this crap. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, come no, on. I, I can I can definitely uh, testify to that. Uh, I'm not sure how many people um, I've shared this with on Double Jump Team, but I I grew up in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai and. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I would be the last person to try and force stereotypes of Arab and or Muslim countries, but it, it's not it's not a place you really want to be living uh, or growing up in as a as a woman or a minority. Nor nor many countries in that area. Yeah, especially like people from where I'm from in the world, from Southeast Asia, they're not not seen as first class citizens. I'll I'll put it that way. Oh yeah. How about we move on to something a bit more positive? All right, let's talk about some of the awesome content that was on our website, our beautiful website this past week. We had six major releases, which is fucking fantastic. Uh, I'll just quickly go through what we had. So first up, we had Liam's discussion about samurai cinema and how that helped shape the creation of Ghost of Tsushima. So Sucker Punch definitely drew a lot of inspiration from classic samurai films. Uh, second, we had Ruby's Best Friend Forever review. Uh, sounds like it had a lot more promise than what it delivered. You know what? Always, always go to improve. Then we had John's look back at the kind of the, the PlayStation Vita's launch and, and, and the whole hope of trying to make a system. Like you, you're trying to build it up on, on all this hope, but mm. then you kind of miss out on what the players really want. Yeah. And then we had Callum's review of Dreamscaper. Mm. And then Ethan's discussion about how Super Mario 3D All-Stars, so the, the the recent compilation of Super Mario 64, oh, yeah. Su- Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy, which is out now on the Switch, may not actually be the best way to preserve mm. games going forward. And then our last major release, which was the recap of the PlayStation 5 showcase, which we'll talk about later in the show, but shout out to Jake, Tom, Ed, pretty much everyone who's jumped in and helped out. That, that was a fantastic, colossal effort. Yep. So that was what was on Double Jump last week. How about we talk about the major news from this past week, dude? I think I think it's pretty obvious that the, 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 the showpiece for this past week was yeah. the PlayStation 5 showcase that Sony streamed Ooh, I think it was, I think it was Friday for us, wasn't it? I think so. Friday morning at six a.m. Something ridiculous like that. How about we talk about the the major announcements from it before we talk about our impressions and and our picks? Yeah, let's. The the main thing for everyone at home, everyone's been waiting for, is the pricing and the release date. For Australia, we're going to be getting official pricing of seven hundred and forty nine dollars and ninety five cents for the like the the regular PlayStation Five. And for the all digital edition, so the the model without the disc drive, that one's going to be retailing for Australian five hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety five cents. Mm, not too bad. So that's yeah, pretty much in line with where you'd expect it compared to the Xbox. Mm. So Sony also announced a November twelve release in uh, selected countries, including Australia, with a with a worldwide release expected the week after. Mm. Pre-orders were meant to go live the day. Like, oh yeah, I heard something the next day. Fucked up happened with that. But everyone, like pretty much all the retailers, started their pre-orders pretty much as soon as the stream finished, like two hours later, and that caused pandemonium throughout the entire world. Mm. It's uh, definitely a disappointment there. But let's let's talk about the show. So, in terms of the games, like dude, we we had Final Fantasy sixteen announced. Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, like a, an extended look at that. Oh yeah. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy, which is a new uh, Harry Potter RPG. Black Ops Cold War, we had a look at single player there, and it was confirmed that that will be a launch title. Resident Evil 8 
village. That looks creepier than Seven somehow. That's, somehow. I don't even know. Arcane's Deathloop looks to be uh, kind of carrying on the tradition of that first-person action. Then we had announcement of a special edition of Devil May Cry 5. So that's going to also be a launch title. Then we had the new Oddworld Soulstorm. So we had a trailer for that. Introduced by Lauren Lanning, a legendary creator. Uh, a new Five Nights at Freddy's game. <laughs> yeah. It's code, It's a subtitled security breach. Then we had... Uh, look like... Uh, like gameplay of Demon Souls, the the upcoming remake. I'm so excited for that. That that looks like it's going to be. A, I'm not going to say fun because I don't know if you could describe those games as fun in a way. No. <laughs> and then I wouldn't. And then uh, Sony also announced something called the PlayStation Plus Collection. So essentially, what it is is if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber and you purchase a, a PlayStation Five, so at launch, Sony's going to have a large selection of games. So things like Uncharted Four, The Last of Us Remastered, Ooh. Ratchet and Clank, God of War, basically premier PlayStation Four games available to download on day one for PS Five owners who have PS Plus, even if you haven't owned those games previously. Yes, yeah, so it's a bit of a so it's a bit of a best of collection. Not, yeah, not like a Game Pass or anything. Yeah, which you know that's that's like probably the best way to you know what I mean like deflect talk about backwards compatibility and not <laughs> not supporting yeah. wider backwards compatibility. Which uh, like Sony did confirm that it, it's uh, like you know it's it's still a large selection of PlayStation Four games, so maybe like the top hundred or so. But don't expect PS Three, PS Two, or PS One emulation backwards compatibility out of the box yeah at this point it's kind of fair enough the technology is so different that's the thing but just be clear about it from the beginning don't tease people and, and not tell everyone I think so. but the thing is like i mean you talk about that but look at like xbox you know you've got four generations of xbox games that can be played like pop in a a game from mm. the original xbox the xbox 360 the xbox one and they'll most likely run on the xbox series x which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, it kind of makes me wonder. It's not really, any, not really an excuse. Yeah, I mean, yes, sure. The PlayStation's had some weird system architectures throughout the years, but you'd think by now you'd figure out some way of getting some of those games playable, right? Yeah. And the major announcement at the end of the show was God of War Ragnarok, or God oh of boy. War set during Ragnarok. I'm not sure if that's the official title for it, but it's a new God of War set in the the kind of the 2018 universe, so the the new kind of yeah, yeah. Scandinavian God of War extended universe. GOW EU. <laughs> so that, that that was like kind of the 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 showstopper at the at the end. That was like a big announcement there. I'd imagine. Yeah, and Sony also confirmed that in America, at least, the recommended retail prices of games are increasing. So far, it looks like in Australia, games appear to cap still at $120. Mm. So that seems to continue to be the, the game cap. Obviously, I don't know many people who would buy a game at that price. You'd usually buy it at, you know, at JB or yeah. something like that. But 120 is kind of dear. Yeah, if you're buying just a, a straight digital version of the game, like that's that'll be a steep that's still a steep price well, now that i think about it i have um games on steam in the in the australian pricing uh 
sphere in seemed to get a bit more expensive. I saw Doom Eternal going for at least ninety dollars yeah. when that dropped, and I've seen uh, so I can't remember which game it was, but there are definitely games for a hundred and up. Hundred percent. Like I know the Call of Duties and stuff usually retail, like they're usually there unless you get it on a really good sale. Did you catch any of the showcase live? Uh no, that, that's not something I'll be waking up for. I've I've adopted a uni student <laughs> sleep schedule. Wake up in the afternoons, go to bed in the morning. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. You're working hard. Or hardly working. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see when the results come in. <laughs> yeah, I I, I managed I, I managed to be up for uh, about half the show. So that that was it was interesting. Uh, seeing like a like be, like actually being up for a, uh, like a stream recently because I would always like be up for like E three, but not usually like these kind of streams. So I just happened to be up and I was watching and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, especially. Uh, Miles Morales looks so good. Oh yeah! Like, oh my god, man! The, the the it just looks like a lot of fun, and I think it's I think it's awesome that that's going to be their launch. Like we, I think you need that type of Definitely. major release. That's the uh, launch the PS5 deserves. Exactly, and confusingly, it's also coming to PS4. Now, obviously, that's going to be a bit complicated because everything Sony's been and and um. Insomnia Games has been talking about is about how all, all these things are only possible on PS5 yet you've got that game launching on PS4 as well so I wonder how it's going to differ in terms of loading and yeah, and, and texture quality and stuff like that it might be a similar yeah. situation to how they re-released the original Destiny onto PS4 and GTA 5 where the game was opt- the game was optimised for the PS4 but they they re- they still released into the PS3 at the same time. Yeah, it was just kind of like yeah, it was kind of it, it didn't run as well. Like no. it was just lower resolution. And, it was just the worst. It was just the worst way to play it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that on the. I didn't see that branding on the box. What 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 really stood out to you? Well, the sh- from the from the showing, I'm I'm a bit intrigued by Oddworld. Really, I know it's a franchise that's quite beloved and has its roots in some of the earlier consoles. And I, I haven't played any of them, so I don't know anything of it. But it it seems like the same the same kind of gameplay to expect from one of those Lemmings type games, where you sort of gather followers and solve puzzles. And I have not yeah. I haven't seen a popular or big or like notable game released with that kind of gameplay yeah. that I can remember. So I think it's interesting to see that something like that releasing and. Might give it a go. Who knows? The other thing that's got yeah. me um, really excited is Demon Souls. Mm. I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of that the remake. I'm a yeah. fan of that franchise. I've never played Demon Souls one, and but looking yeah. at what they the, what they've showed us, and I've seen people play the original. I, I mean, it's incredible how much they how how big the difference is, and I think that you yeah. you, you always remember games looking a little bit better and playing a little bit better than they actually yeah. did, and I think it's, it's fantastic. nostalgia for you. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I think it's fantastic that the it's gonna look as good as people <laughs> remember it. I remember it exactly. That that's the that's the trick to it, because I, I was watching that and I, I think it was awesome seeing it without the HUD. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, I can totally see people play this without the HUD mm-hmm. and just rely entirely on timing and just keeping track of like s- animations and and things like that. For sure. I was watching it like, is this pre-rendered or is this gameplay? And then I kind of saw like, kind of like some, like kind of, you know, the typical Souls like janky, you know, <laughs> animations where you just kind of teleport from one position to another. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Play, playing Sekiro without yeah. a HUD is a really fun experience. It's just the clashing yeah. of swords, and then, yeah. then there's like a giant snake and there's magic, and then you're like, okay, this is this. <laughs> I forgot. I now remember what game I'm playing. <laughs> that's that's the thing, and and the other thing. 
I kind of noticed was that the lighting in that demo was so good. Like, I think that might actually have... You could actually see some of the ray tracing in action. So, ray tracing basically means you actually have realistic light sources rather than kind of things being baked in or being kind of like faked. So, you could kind of see like the fireballs and stuff. Like, you could see kind of the snow light up, you know, and then the sparks from the swords actually light up like the hallway and things like that. So, I think that's that's going to be like a great visual kind of... It's funny because we're talking about a Souls game and, and visuals, but that I think that's going to be a, a good showcase also for what the, the PS5 can do at launch. Oh, definitely. And I, I think I think it's worth mentioning that um, I, I definitely make the argument that many, many people play these games not just because they enjoy... Um, dying thousands of times and feeling frustrated. <laughs> really? In fact, in fact, uh, you know, I, I won't go. I won't. I, don't believe I won't you. get into it here. But I think um, difficulty settings and accessibility are something that series has needed for a long time. But um, the visual side is definitely something which uh, I, I'm glad to see that they are acknowledging is some is a reason that people are invested in these games and enjoy them. The sense of spectacle mm. and um, that you that you get from all you know these these fights and these huge environments is something that is drawn people to the series for, for some time, whether it was Dark Souls 2 and all these huge ruined yeah. landscapes or Sekiro. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, won't, I, won't, I don't want to spoil anything, but some of the later yeah. areas in Sekiro are pretty ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's crazy that the original Dark... Sorry, the original Demon Souls was released on PS3 back in 2009. Wow. Right, so back then, when that first came out, people did not even know what the hell... Like people didn't even know what the hell was happening. Like, why? Oh, this game is so hard. Oh, this game's cheap. Oh, wait, no, this is just like kind of like what games used to be like. Oh, what's this online thing where we can kind of send each other messages mm. and tips? And like, you know, it's it's just. Wait, I died and I got to go back to where? Like, you know. Oh what yeah. I mean? It's, 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 it's going to be interesting because like eleven years ago, man, like you were a kid then, basically. So <laughs> yeah. think of how much has changed. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I feel I feel for the first kid who opened a treasure chest and yeah. was uh, a <laughs> treasure chest just ripped his head off. <laughs> yeah, like it reads a message saying "open treasure chest," and then you're like, "Oh, okay, thank you, person." And then, oh my god! Oh yeah, um, or a message uh, at the end of a cliff: uh, "Beware, treasure ahead." Yeah. That classic. Could you imagine being someone like imagine being someone playing that at launch and all the messages are in Japanese and you're playing through this game that you're like, "What the." F- Wait, I'm fighting this giant boss at the beginning. Am I meant to die here? Did I fail? What? <laughs> oh yeah. No. Oh, that. No, you're exactly right. Because my my first foray into the franchise was Dark Souls Two and the PS3 ages ago. And I remember we got to the first boss, and yeah. I was like, Oh wait, I'm, I'm meant to die here, right? Because I was doing so little damage and I had so much health. And then and then it killed me, and then yeah. I was like, Oh, I I'm meant to. Oh right. Okay, I understand. <laughs> oh dear. That's the thing. That's I just it's like that time capsule. Like I'd love to. I'd love to see like a playthrough of someone who's never played a Souls game before, and this is like their first ever like this mm. a, a game of this type. That that would be so cool to just see. Speaking speaking of <laughs> which, um, my girlfriend's never played a Souls game in her life, and she she's determined to try and beat Sekiro at the moment. And watching <laughs> watch, wow. watching her play it is, it, it, I find I find it so funny because the because the, the the enemies are meant to be so overwhelming, and they've got all these moves, and they're so fast and everything, and they can break your block, mm. and they. They do all these underhanded tricks to get you, and she's just like freaking out, like sweating, like, "Oh my god, what is what is he doing? How's he? How is he still alive? He's throwing <laughs> fireballs at me." That's the brilliance of thing of those games where it's like 
you, once you know the formula, you kind of know what to expect. But I guess for the like the layperson, it'll be like, what is what is this? Like, what am I what am I doing? Yeah, like what, why is that? <laughs> why am I vomiting doing centipedes at me? What, why is there a giant snake? I thought I was playing a samurai. Is game. this what video games are? <laughs> this wasn't in those Kurosawa films. In fact, this, this does remind <laughs> me. I I read an interview somewhere where the the lead developer or the head creative lead or whatever the job title was of um from software was describing how his approach to video games is very much a masochistic approach makes yeah, sense like the reason you feel frustrated and upset is because <laughs> that that's the that's intended that's that's the design i'm sure i'm sure the the people who played like the early armored core games on playstation one and and stuff probably felt that as well oh, yeah. <laughs> now another big announcement was Final Fantasy 16 like I that just kind of came out of nowhere now I know Zach talked teased the whole idea of that he talked about it last episode mm. so Zach you called it um your checks in the mail <laughs> yeah, who's paying you <laughs> it's not square enix <laughs> hashtag ad <laughs> but for people at home it is going to be a full length traditional final fantasy game so it's not going to be an mmo so it is it is a new universe a new full length game and it is going to be according to the trailer it is a console exclusive Uh-oh. but it is coming to pc so it, it may be it, it looks like ps5 and pc at launch at least and you know you know what Th- these games they cost so much to make. I'm sure that Square Enix would definitely want to get some more, get some Xbox players buying his game. So, we'll keep an eye out on that there to see how you know how things progress mm. as it gets closer to launch, which is probably going to be a few years away, given the way that Final Fantasy games are developed. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> the other thing that kind of followed on with. Uh, following the the announcement and and kind of around the same time was a report from Gloop, uh, Bloomberg uh, talking about sources in Japan pointing to Sony having to revise its production. Mm, yeah, I heard about uh, this. By so by reducing its estimate by four million units, which is nothing to sneeze at, uh, due to you know the the poor yield of the kind of the the main processor that's running like that that the the kind of joint CPU GPU combined processor that's running at the heart of the PS5 like not having good good yields of that in terms of getting good chips that will run well but Sony has since come out and and refuted the the report and saying that you know things are still on on track also apologize for the mishandling of pre-orders around the world oh, i yeah. know jake definitely is not happy because he was like he's like a high he's like a level four eb member or something like that he was on the list for months and he got no notifications it was it's all gone uh, all the launch allocations gone around australia not good just yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah and uh, i've always taken the view that it's kind of just expected whenever there's a hot new tech product coming out um People who mm. people interested in reselling are just going to buy everything and then resell it. Now, what do you think about the pricing of the the console, especially the the digital edition? You know, is is one hundred and fifty bucks worth it to lose a disc drive? Um, is that enough? Well, I th- I, th- I think uh, I think it being cheaper is is probably uh, what I'm most happy about. But whether or not it's worth it, I um. I'd probably make the argument that there's 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 going to be someone who figures out how to use an external disk drive at some point anyway. Yeah, hack their way through it. 
Because the thing is, maybe like okay, yes, you talk about game ownership in the in the in the world of digital licenses and stuff. Do you really own a game and blah 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 and prices things and that? But you could kind of think of like a positive to this as also being the fact that well, if developers know that there's going to be a version of this console with no like no disk drive, it means that you can't rely on putting a lot of data on a disk and then kind of shoving a massive update, you know, after the fact. Mm. So maybe it might force developers to be a bit smarter about the, the game download sizes. I think so. And, and, you know, being a bit more kind of smart about, you know, how it's actually going to, how games files are kind of stored, like how they're categorized and stuff like that. So you don't get sure. ridiculously big install sizes and download sizes. I mean, now that you mention it, if I remember correctly, Red Dead Redemption 2 came and... I think it might have been two or three discs. Um, same for GTA. Mm. G- games keep getting larger and larger, and there's just a physical limit to how much you can put on a disc. And if it's a choice yeah. between having four or five discs or downloading something for an hour or two, um, okay, definitely yeah. not an hour or two. It'd probably be <laughs> yeah, maybe more than a couple a few of days hours. in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I, I would, I do not, I do not lament the loss of a disc drive. A lot of people, I'm sure, rely on used games, trading in games, to kind of be able to afford the games that like play, you know, a new release. So I wonder how how those players will do, considering the fact that you know they're not going to be able to mm. buy a disc. <laughs> like if 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 say you're price conscious, okay, I want to go for the cheaper PS5, but then I'm going to end up potentially paying a lot more. If I have to constantly buy new digital versions of games. Oh yeah, you're right. I haven't yeah. thought of that because I've just been such a PC gamer. I haven't even. I, I never. Like we're used to, that. to things being digital, right? <laughs> we're, we're used to yeah. it for like more than a decade. Yeah, you're right. Oh. And the thing is, we benefit from things like Steam sales, you know, Epic Games, and things like that. But yes, the Xbox Game Pass is tremendous value in terms of the you know the amount of games and stuff you're getting. But Sony really doesn't have an equivalent to that. No. Yeah. And and I feel like games are perpetually on sale on PC, <laughs> whereas I don't know on consoles. I feel like that's kind of like more limited to a, a few times a year. You know, for like oh, this is a summer sale. This is a winter sale. Mm. And, uh, and that's the thing. And there's and there's well, there's also the this is a Steam only feature, of course. And um, I don't I don't endorse abusing it, but you are able to play. You are able to buy games on Steam, play them for some amount of time, and then refund them if. It's really not your thing, and there's just not. Yeah, I think it's two hours, something like thing. that. And while that, yeah. you know, I can sort of, I, can, I have memories of renting games from the the local like Blockbuster or whatever that name of that video store was that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Yep, Blockbuster. Yeah, or pretty much all of them. Video Easy. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, are, are there still video game stores that you rent games? I I can't think of. Any. I don't think so. Like maybe if there's like I think there's like one Blockbuster left in the country or something, or one Video Easy. I'm sure they might still have them, but. Yeah, consoles are lagging behind a bit. Definitely for PC, it's very you, you can't because you're kind of redeeming a code. Whereas consoles, you can you can put a disc in and and you can take it with you. Yeah, maybe maybe with the shift to digital downloads, we might see some of the same features we've come to enjoy on PC start to slowly move over to console, just because they're now much more feasible. Yeah, we can we can hope. And and, and the thing is that PC 
development kind of echoes what the console what's happening on console like we we get stuff like really like one one example most recently is kind of render scaling you know you can you can you can have a 4k screen but the game's actually running at 1440p mm. and then you've got this fancy scaling software that makes it cleans it up and makes it look nice mm. on your monitor like that came from consoles you know trying to huh. get the most out of limited hardware and now you see a lot of games actually have render scaling built into the like into the uh uh, the settings now. Oh, yeah, the DLSS technology on uh, Green Team's cards. And, and things like that. It's kind of like a, a continuation of that, you know. It's it, like it, it's it's a symbiotic thing, you know. Console gamers need PC gamers. PC gamers need console gamers because yeah, yeah. the improvements in one kind of trickles down to the other. Hey, maybe, maybe Sony's making the right call by... And maybe Sony and Microsoft making the right call by having just digital versions of their consoles, but... At least with Sony, it's not compromising on the power. Whereas on the Xbox, mm. yes, you're getting, you know, you're getting a console that's almost half the price, but you are getting a less powerful console. Yeah. Um, in the Series S. And it's it's not it's not a it's not a PC where you can upgrade anything, so you just have to make exactly. Do. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. But to be fair, you know, if you do want to upgrade, you could probably just get another like six hundred dollar console in the future rather than you know build a new computer. Or buy an eight hundred dollar graphics card. <laughs> oh yeah, the the thirty series is uh, not something I'm thinking of purchasing anytime soon. Oh my soon. god, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna have to wait until I get a. Fu- I'm gonna have to wait until I get a salary. <laughs> maybe, maybe you'll you'll find a whole flooding of twenty series cards on the on the used market. <laughs> pretty yeah, soon, <laughs> one of those is probably gonna be mine. <laughs> so yeah, did you want to talk about? Our next story, which was Nintendo's partner, Mini Direct. Sure. So we had a Mini Direct from Nintendo recently, not showing off their own games, but those the, some of their third-party titles. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just list them and we'll talk about some of the notable ones. So we had Monster Hunter Rise, which is our um, uh, next edition of Monster Hunter on the Switch, following on from, I think it might have been... Four Ultimate? Uh, I don't know. Their uh, names are messed up. Uh, Monster World. Hunter World. World, I don't think, was on the Switch, though. I don't remember the last oh, one on the Switch. Wasn't it? Oh, no, that was... Their names are kind of just jumbles of letters <laughs> and numbers. Yeah, I think that was PS4, Xbox, and PC. Okay. Yeah, we had, we had essentially there's, game. Essentially, there's like two, two Monster Hunter kind of... Well, like two Monster Hunter threads now. Like, there's the one which is like Monster Hunter World, which is very Western, very streamlined, multiplayer focused. Mm. And then there's like the really Japanese ones that are like kind of obtuse in dumb yeah. ways. Like Monster and Hunter always... Stories 2, Wings of Ruin, which is uh, oh, yeah, the next title announced. Yeah. Which is, uh, so Monster Hunter <laughs> Stories is a very different version of Monster Hunter, turn based, and you basically play as like this kid and you rescue eggs and raise them or something. I think it's meant to be like Monster Hunter Pokemon. Yeah, I, I've never played it. I can't say I have interest in it. <laughs> the next thing we had to mention, though, is Hades, which finally. is finally out. Um, I yes. think it's been in early access for two or three years. Fact yeah, I think almost three years, yeah. So that, this is the latest game from Supergiant, known for Bastion and Transistor and uh, Pyre. Pyre. Yeah, that's, yep. the, that's the one. Yep. Um, incredible game. I could talk about it for hours, which we which we don't have. So <laughs> maybe maybe we'll come maybe we'll come back to it. Maybe um, maybe I'll have to get that for my Switch. Maybe that's going to be the next thing. I, uh, yeah, you, you, it's with, without without spending seven, seven hours detailing why it's really good. I think that if you if you like Super Giants games and yeah. you enjoy the sort of roguelike formula where it's like the game you can play for hours and hours and hours, you're just going to love it. 
there's no, there's no, there's no spectrum of liking it, disliking it, maybe liking it. You're, you're gonna love can it. Can you answer this for me then? Say I've got like half an hour, forty-five minutes to play at a time. Can can I do that with Hades, or is that not a game? The last like run they... where I beat, I, I I finished the run, I beat the final boss. Took me thirty minutes, and I, that was a little bit longer than normal. Okay, fair enough. Runs so are about twenty-five is the right to thirty. Thing. Huh. Nice. It's not. Nice. It's not quite on Binding of Isaac levels where runs can take you up to an hour. Yeah. Okay. That's. It's also that's, just much easier than some of its, some of its uh, peers. So that's why it's a rogue light, not a rogue like, I guess, uh, I in mean, that traditional way. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of uh, the way we use label games as genres, <laughs> like you know, like how Souls like as a genre. Uh, but you know, I won't get into that here. But yeah. What's it, next? What's What's uh, the next? Next is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I, um, I, I, I played the first Ori and I thought it was okay, but I maybe this is one's really good, but I, I'm definitely, I'd be more likely to play this it, now that it's on the Switch, just for that portable yeah. factor, even though I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's just awesome just being able to sit somewhere and just play on that screen. Yeah, playing <laughs> video games on the tram worry. on the way to somewhere is, uh, I, I love the PSP and I miss it dearly and having yep. something like it but just better in every every way yeah. uh, I, I, I love it very much <laughs> I think our last two games were Rune Factory 5 and Disgaea 6 um, I couldn't quite discern The Defiance of Destiny Yeah I couldn't quite <laughs> discern what they were from their from their trailers I, I think but I, I as I understand it they're, they're, they're long running beloved franchises Yeah so Disgaea especially Disgaea especially has been around for a very long time like 30 years or something ridiculous like that Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so, oh mate, I, you know what? This this this, like, four out of the six games are like really Japanese and really like you got to be into that series. Like, uh, yeah. Although but, I might yeah. argue that Monster Hunter World, actually, you know, I want to talk about Monster Hunter Rise because what I've seen of it is it's kept some of the best elements of Monster Hunter World. It's got big sprawling environments, a lot of verticality. Mm-hmm. And it's kept like it's kept the grappling hook. You've, you've, you, they, they've kept some of the mounts. Um, so there's actually no. There's a new feature where you, you have a mount that you can traverse the environment with. Yeah. And the, the Monster Hunter World, I think, is just as JRPG as some of the older Monster Hunters. But what 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 made it what made it feel a lot more Western, I suppose you might might say, is that the movement and combat was just far more fluid. In fact, it's it's probably it's probably what they've always imagined for the game, but just couldn't figure out how to make it work. And Monster Hunter Rise seems to be keeping some of the best elements of that, which uh, I can do nothing but support. 100%, because I think Monster Hunter World was kind of the the breakaway title that brought it to the mainstream. Because obviously Monster Hunter has been a huge game, like, you know, top sellers since the DS, 3DS, Wii, Wii U. Like, it's, it's just ridiculous. But in terms of Western, you... World was kind of like, all right, how about we make a game that doesn't require some sort of esoteric guide or someone who's familiar with the game to explain the game to you. Like, how about we make a game that's just a fun experience that's not difficult to get into, mm. but can requires a lot of work to kind of master, but you have fun. You know, you don't have to fight with menus and unnecessary bullcrap. I think that's Absolutely. where World really did well. And, and that's like you, I hope, Monster Hunter Rise kind of promises to follow that trend. 
for sure. Monster Hunter World was definitely the big breakthrough that Monster Hunter as a franchise needed into the West. Monster Hunter has always been super popular in Japan, but um, fans in the West in the past have had to really clamour to get titles ported um, so, yeah. that they actually, so, they, so that they could actually play them. It would take like years. Like, And the, re- the reason they never did is because uh, they just didn't think it would sell. And Yeah. I'm, I'm, there's probably many factors that went into the success of Monster Hunter World, but... I think it's fantastic, and I'm glad to see that they've uh, imb- acknowledged why you know why some of the new mechanics were so well embraced. And if we yeah. see, we see, it looks like we're seeing them return to Monster Hunter Rise. So fantastic! Yeah, because uh, like I, I remember s- new stories about oh, you know, the, finally this version of Monster Hunter Three is coming out in the West. Oh, but the new version of that's uh, going to come out at the same time in Japan. So technically, the game we're getting here is the old version of the game that they already have. Yeah. Like it was just weird stuff like that, but you know what? This I think Capcom's learning that it needs to be a very global company, and it's kind of hit its stride recently with games like Resident Evil Seven, Monster Hunter World. Uh, like, okay, I'm not going to say Street Fighter because I don't think anyone really liked that. But <laughs> it, it's like those two, those two games have been like kind of returns to form for Capcom, and definitely, you never want. You always want to wish the be- you want things to be better because everyone benefits from that. I don't think anyone ben- I don't think anyone sits down to say, "Oh, I'm going to make a bad game. I'm going to make some bad decisions. <laughs> I want to make a bad decision." It's just kind of your you, you base it on your experiences and your you know kind of the expectations put on you and then the rule like you know all these guidelines and all these targets and stuff like that. So yeah, kudos to Capcom on on finding new creators or a new directors or you know new ideas to really in- reinvigorate those uh, those franchises for sure i've got nothing but excitement for the future of monster hunter now that it's found a global market 100 percent, 100 percent. like and the only the only thing i'll bum me out is that like you know monster hunter world just i think because it caught capcom by surprise that it didn't get the the support that it deserved like expansion like the pc expansion came out like 12 months after it oh, came yeah. out on the other you know, on the console, the, the PC like, build, the PC version is still um, notorious, lagging behind, right? It, like it just, it, it's a port, and it shows yeah, it, you, you, you have to get the, you have to get a few like unofficial patches to really get the performance going where it should. Exactly. Otherwise, it chugs. Yeah, and and you know what? Hopefully, Rise gets a really good PC port out of out of the box, and that there's feature parity <laughs> with all the expansions. Oh, please, you you need you need crossplay, and to have crossplay, you need to have the same content. By the time Iceborne dropped, I wasn't playing the game anymore. Exactly, and you know what? That's that's a bummer because it, it truly it really is a good game from what what I've heard and what what people have kind of written about it. Absolutely. From positive news onto some negative news, you know we're all about the ups and downs here at Double Jump. Apparently, <laughs> we uh, heard from GameStop's. Chief Financial Officer Jim Bell uh, during an earnings call in the middle of last week that GameStop, so the parent company of EB Games here in Australia, uh, that GameStop is actually planning to close an additional 100 to 150 stores around the world. Now, it already announced that it was going to close 300 stores uh, in, in America, at least by the end of the year. And since then, uh, it's going to be another 100, 150 stores, but now affecting the world as well. As far as we can tell, EB Games in Australia has, is not among these stores that will be closing. Okay. But 
it is uh, it is worth noting that in January this year, EB Games did close a number of stores, about 19 stores, and also converted a few of them into like kind of these hybrid, you know, super stores that have EB on one side and Zing on the other. Mm, yeah. So it's uh, you know it, it's. It's only been a week or so, and we're still, you know, we're, we've still got a couple of months left in the year. But GameStop did post that its second quarter results, like it, it had crazy high like sales. It's probably because it was like the first quarter with the, with the stores being completely closed in America and, and having like kind of just pure sales. You know, people just coming only like you know, people just going to the website to buy. They're not just kind of wasting time. So that yeah. probably helped out. But even that wasn't enough to kind of meet the expectations that analysts had for it. So that's why that's that's what's prompted the decision to close these stores. Now EB hasn't announced anything as of this right as of this recording. If anything does change, we'll definitely you know put an update either in the digest or also in next week's sure. show. But here's here's hoping that you know no other no other EB staff or Zing staff lose their jobs because it's it's tough yeah, right now. Yeah, it's hard out here. Uh, like you, you and I have both been PC gamers for a long time now, so we probably don't go into EB games and stuff as much as other players. But do you see like EB, GameStop, like stop shops like that going away anytime soon? Well, given given that our download digital download consoles are the cheaper options, and um, those typically tend to outsell the more expensive options. I'd be interested to see what's going to happen to physical storefronts when we just don't need to go to a physical place to buy video games anymore. Obviously, they're going to be selling consoles and peripherals mm. and um, a lot of merchandise. The last eBay games I went to, the basement was just merchandise. Um, yeah, It's probably going to be a similar... Uh, might be a similar fate for you know physical video stores for... For things like for music or film, um, just given that the the, the the way people consume media is progressively moving to digital, remote, or streaming. Uh, yeah, I think I might. I think I. Uh, I might. Uh, if if I had to predict, I I would make the uh, unfortunate prediction. I I don't think that these shops are going to be uh, open for too much longer in the grand scale of things. Yeah, I think you'll see basically like shops like JB survive in that because JB sells across so many different areas, yes. whereas like, you know, places like Sanity and stuff were kind of really only focused on music or selling DVDs. So there wasn't really other places to make the money. And yeah, I think so. You know, it's kind of, you know, having more choice is always good for the customer. You know, having more options to purchase is always good. But, you know, now that you've got like at least one generation of players who's grown up with pretty much everything being digitally available, you know, like you press a button and even if it's a physical game, like you press a button and it's here within a couple of days. Yeah. And not having to wait to, you know, get something or no, oh, we've run out of copies, sorry. Like it's it's going to be interesting to see because like say if you're like, 14, 15 now, you've grown up in the digital like games era, right? So if, say, you become the, in the, over the next 10 years, as as people like like in their mid, mid-teens now uh, reach their mid-20s and they start having some disposable income, like, uh, like after working or finishing uni, it'll be interesting that they don't, they may not necessarily have that attachment to having a physical collection. 
Like, if you look behind so. me, and I'm sh- and you, I can see your bookshelf as well. Like, you've got we we still like having games, you know, on display and having a physical case somewhere, even if it's a token. Yeah, but I think I uh, you know. I, uh, like I, I know, so, I know some people. Like my, my girlfriend refuses to digitally download things. She just loves having discs and having the case. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, I can fondly recall this this sort of new game opening smell when you peel off the plastic. But um, I mean, the the sort of Re- reading the manual in the car ride oh, home. I, mean, I remember, I remember when instruction <laughs> manuals were like little snippets of story and like interesting witty yeah. commentary, and 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 then also actual constructions and like cheat codes and stuff. And now it's just like Dude. marketing material. The original manual for Halo talks about Master Chief being a super soldier who was like part of this genetic program and being taken as a kid. Like that's in the manual. Like yeah, that's not right. said anywhere in the game. <laughs> I know. I, I I miss that that sort of time. But I think yeah. I, I think um, uh, the, uh, our up and coming generation of gamers have kind of their f- their entry for better or worse, and I, I don't I don't like it, but their entry to video games is um sort of online, massively multiplayer, free-to-play titles like um, yeah, Rocket League Fortnite. or Fortnite or it's or, yeah, mostly Fortnite. And um, if, if that's how they're getting into games, I, 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 you know, I, I would imagine that they, because they're comfortable with the sort of digital download format, that's probably just going to how they're con- yeah. going to continue consuming games. My, my girlfriend's little brother is one of those kids that just plays Fortnite all day. Um, kind of annoying yeah. but he, I've never seen him enter a video game store or heard of him entering a video game store in my life I don't think he's ever done that and he probably isn't it probably even, doesn't even care like it's not like the thing where you know when we were growing up you walk past you go to the shopping center and you always want to ask your parents oh can I go yeah, in there can sure. I go in there I'll be five minutes I promise you know I just want to look oh, I did it all the time. read through Game Informer or you you look at the strategy guides or you just look oh my at god I want, when I was like six I stole a strategy guide because oh I, I thought it was so cool and I just walked out of the shop without realising. Oh my God, what's the moratorium on, on crimes oh, no. <laughs> in Australia? I don't know. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, it, It'll be interesting to see retail as a whole change, especially post-COVID where I think people are realising that, you know what, I can do so much from my house. Yeah, I so, think we're definitely seeing, uh, seeing retail... Um, Mer- what's the word? Merchandise, <laughs> merchantry, like yeah. uh, selling things physically from storefronts. I think um, a lot of yeah. shops in our in our little COVID normal are starting to realise that the way people purchase things is very very different, and you kind yeah. of have to adapt or you die. That's the thing. Like that's just the way the world works. You got to move forward or you're gonna go backwards. Yeah, things that's, change. You, you can't really stay. You can't really stay in one spot. No, definitely not. Speaking of not staying in one spot, I'll tell you what doesn't, and that's a TIE fighter. Oh, yeah? Do you tell? From Star Wars. Yeah, they, they move forward. I don't know if they move backwards. Maybe they do. Maybe planes have got like a reverse gear that hasn't been invented yet. But <laughs> I'll have to let my this dad is know. Just, <laughs> this is this is just a... It's not like a, a news story, story, like, you know, a typical news story, but I just wanted to highlight the fact that the hunted short film that... Uh, EA released for Star Wars Squadrons, which is the new kind of uh, space combat game set in the Star Wars universe. That this short film was really, really awesome. Uh, basically, for those who haven't seen it yet, I won't. I try not to spoil it, but basically, it follows a, a lone Tie fighter pilot named Varco Gray, 
following a battle with the rebels above the planet Varshar. So basically, it's kind of like a very personal kind of take on you know Star Wars. You know, it's just something from the soldier's perspective of just like I'm, and let's just say that it doesn't depict the rebels in the best of light. So it's it's kind of more from the what what it's like to be in in. in Empirical? I don't know what, what would you say. Imperial. The imperial soldier facing the rebel threat. So I, I, I definitely look forward to the actual like story in the game itself when it comes out. I think it's on track to be released next month. It, it did seem like that classic sort of joystick, um, three dimensional movement, um, plane. Uh, one of those games. Yeah. I love Microsoft uh, Flight Simulator. Exactly. Like I, I want, I want working dials. I want working cabins. Oh wow! Like that, that would be so cool. And and I think that whole game is playable in VR as well. So oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it'd be amazing. And also, kind of, it, it's weird because, like, flying on Earth, you've got a reference point, which is the ground. You know, you got things like there's something yeah, solid yeah. that you can always say, oh well, that's below me. The sky's above me. But when you're in space, like. Yeah, what's you, up? You know, what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. Like, it's just kind of, it's all relative. So, I, I wonder, like, obviously, Eve Valkyrie has done it before. You know, even Star Citizen, if that ever becomes a real mm. game. No Man's Sky to a certain extent, too. Exactly. Was it Wing Commander? I don't know. Whatever was. Uh, Elite Dangerous, sorry. Like, uh, like, like I want to see the way Squadrons kind of tackles that problem of kind of giving direction when you're in space but given the fact that it's going to be like a like a easy ac- easily accessible multiplayer title as well i think it's going to be lean a bit more on the kind of if you could think of it as a more of an arcadey game versus a simulation like maybe a game like elite dangerous yeah. or star citizen i'm always for more accessibility especially on titles that anticipate being available to a huge audience yeah like what what do you what do you think of the game so far like from what you've seen the the, the it's not. It's not the sort of game that I normally gravitate towards. I, I find. Um, I find. I find that sort of um, flight-based game a little bit too overwhelming for me to be able to play mm. properly. I can't get over the way that it controls. I get. I get. Like, I get space sick, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks like it's exactly the sort of thing that that sort of you know demographic of people have been wanting from a Star Wars game for some time. Mm. This would be like the first. I think like the first like proper full length game that I'll play that'll be like from the point of view of like a, like being in a plane like it, being in a cockpit like obviously racing games yeah, you don't really have many story modes in racing games oh no <laughs> especially not involving a huge expanded universe I don't even think that the Fast and the Furious game that came out recently was did any any positive service to that franchise so this i think this is like one great way for ea to tell a story that is a bit more personal and different from star wars because we've already seen success in some of ea's storytelling in the star wars universe with their um i forget the name of it now but that 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 dark souls like or whatever it was uh yeah Um, jedi fallen order yes that's the one um even though even though it was See, it was ridiculously buggy and yeah. kind of just broken in many ways. But that—that's more of a, <laughs> that's more a symptom of the developers who are, who are, have a bit of a reputation for that. But anyway, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm glad it's good to see that EA is realizing that if they tell a good story in the Star Wars universe, people are, people are going to take notice. Yeah, because apparently people don't think Disney's able to do that. No. <laughs> uh, in, in my opinion, but no, the, the, the last two Star Wars movies I saw were abominably bad. <laughs> wow. In my okay. opinion. In my opinion, of course. <laughs> but yeah. no, if we can get a good story out of this, I'm, I'm sold. I'll buy it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think like with Battlefront 2... The problem with that is that it kind of went back to the same formula of, oh, okay, well, oh, we're, uh, it's, oh, we're an Imperial character. Oh, but we're going to discover that the Rebels were right all along. And you know what I mean? Like, I hope it's not that trope. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that stuff is boring. Yeah. Um, 100%. I mean, I, I find the opposite kind of boring too, which is like, oh, war's bad. You're bad. You killed someone. Haha. Like, that, that's obviously yeah. not too interesting either. Making it a bit more nuanced, um, that's no, that's something and I can get behind. I can support. As we know, Star Wars is all about nuance, nothing grandiose. Oh, for sure. <laughs> which is one of the reasons that um, I quite like that Rogue One film. Yeah, I thought that was actually alright because yeah. the, that was definitely I, I like a very that film. bit more I mean, nuanced. The plot of it doesn't make sense, but no, like, it doesn't. The leaps of logic you have to make are ridiculous. But the actual movie, I liked. I really liked that. That was like my favorite Star Wars movie until that point. Until um, what? Until oh, I don't even know. Because I, I really loved Force Awakens, but obviously, I think Rogue One what? came after. Yeah. I I love that. Uh, that was like such a, a great adventure film and a spectacle of a movie. Um, so for me, like I I, yeah, I actually you know, don't mind. It was alright. Yeah, <laughs> like for me, I I really liked the new movies. But what was a? I think probably the Mandalorian's kind of more of that personal story that I think Star Wars needs. Yeah, the, the Star Wars universe. I mean. Star Wars. I've always called Star Wars the sci-fi Lord of the Rings, with the huge scope of the universe, its characters, and just how much media it's inspired. I mean, we look at Lord of the Rings and how it's basically inspired, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, the fantasy genre as a whole, and yeah. Star Wars. I think Star Wars is the same thing for sci-fi. 100%. Star Trek Two. Star Trek Two. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making an argument. I'm watching the new Star Trek at the moment, and I'm like, I'm, I'm really, in, like, I'm enjoying it. I didn't like season one, so this is Star Trek Discovery. I didn't really like season one. And season two, I think, is it goes more into the personal kind of like struggles and personal stories, and I think that's when it maybe that's where sci-fi really does well, as like in terms of like you 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 can kind of be like a voyeur of a situation because it's like oh well these people don't even look like me or this planet doesn't look like ours or something that you can kind of suspend your you, you kind of suspend the part of your brain that's like, oh, this isn't realistic. This isn't this. This this is, you know, this doesn't make sense. And you can just focus on the the characters and and the life that they're living. For sure, I I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Alrighty, so that's a bit of a digression about Star Wars and and the media that Disney's brought out over the last few years. I think uh, we'll uh, we'll. Cap, cap off the show by talking about, you know, kind of what people can expect to see from us throughout the week. So expect to see a another Bumper Digest. So if you enjoyed the news that happened so far this past week, well, you can get a lot, you can read a lot more about it in detail in the upcoming Digest, uh, which should be live by the time you guys hear this at home. So definitely head over to doublejump.co to read all of our latest stories, including the two mega digests that went over 
the PlayStation 5 showcase, plus everything else that happened in gaming this past week. And, you know, you can catch myself and Max, Ed, Lucas, Ben, you know, on our our Twitch channel, so doublejump.co slash twitch or twitch.tv slash doublejumpco will take you to... Uh, you know, where the awesome content, the best content on Twitch uh, occurs. And, and uh, you know, I can't name my sources, but I know that that has been measured. And, yeah, it's it's true. It's a fact. No one can refute it, all right? <laughs> but, yeah, as always, guys, if you have any questions or any topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can always send in your requests to podcast at doublejump.co. Always welcome uh, any questions or feedback or even, you know, uh, like a chance to discuss some some awesome topics on the show. So definitely send your your uh, questions and uh, topics through. Now, Max, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It was a lot of fun. Oh, definitely, man. Thank you for having me. Is there... Yeah. <laughs> if if there's anything yeah, no, I had a good time. that you want people to kind of check out any any movies shows or games like what's on your mind that you think people really need to check out definitely give Hades a go even if it's just to play for a few hours and refund it on Steam or whatever your flavor yep. is um, it's on the Switch now so there's no excuses um, it's definitely something definitely the best thing I can think of if you're yeah. out and about and you've got a free time with a with a portable console. Um, otherwise, keep an eye out for Baldur's Gate Three. That early access is opening up, I believe, this month. Look at quite a few people on staff and and people I know who are really excited about it. Who are frankly too young to have really enjoyed the first two games <laughs> when they came out. So Ooh, I would not compare it to the first two, and for good and, and I think it's I think it's different in uh, all the good ways and. Not the bad ways. That's good. That's, we'll see. Thanks thanks for those plugs, man. Maybe I'll have to give Hades a, a shot as well. Now, obviously, if you guys do like the game, keep the game on Steam. Don't refund it, but at least give it a shot. Yeah, I don't <laughs> endorse that. Yes. I think, uh, that's, I think that's a good place for us to end it there. Check out Hades and look out for Baldur's Gate 3 news. That's, that's going to be a lot of fun. So, Max, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, everyone at home, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash doublejump. Always appreciate the support that you guys give us. And, you know, it's because of you guys that we can actually pay for our hosting and, and streaming and everything like that. And, yeah, definitely doublejump.co to read all of the awesome content. We work very hard on the content that comes out every week and especially... Uh, reading some new faces you know uh, reading some faces sorry reading some stories from new faces you know ethan callum ruby you know it's always humbling to see that you guys joining the team and 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 lending your voice to our platform is you know it's always humbling to to see so thank you thank you again everyone and until next time look out for one another bye see ya